You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Jordan Hicks goes to the Giants for four years and $44 million. I just saw that on my, on my Twitter feed as we were just starting to sit down and talk here at the Nine Foot Homemade Oak Bar on Socks in the Basement. Brought to you proudly by Cork and Carry at the Park. And by the way, if you go to Cork and Carry, the original location over at 106th and Western, or you go down to 33rd and Princeton in the shadow of the ballpark, and you want a Kona beer, Kona is a $5 draft right now at both locations, but... You can also enter to win a trip to Hawaii. Cork and Carry is sending somebody and, and a friend, I believe. I don't think they're just sending one single person. They're sending you to the islands, which is perfect right now because it's freezing outside. The winner is going to be announced before St. Patrick's Day. They're actually going to do it on March 15th. There's no purchase necessary, but get into Cork. If you want to make a purchase, get a Kona or get something else from the bar or, you know, have an award-winning burger down at 33rd and Princeton at Cork and Carry at the park. And remember, it's still two for one. Go see Gino behind the bar and get that. But make sure you stop by the Cork, either location, and register for a chance to go to Hawaii. I'm going to go down and do it myself. I wonder if I'm eligible because, I mean, they are a sponsor. And uh, I probably am not eligible, but I would love to to win that trip. So I'm going to have to put on like a fake mustache and, and kind of sneak in there and, and use a use a fake name as well. I don't think that'll work. They, I can't put the fake name on the ticket. Somebody else will have to win. Maybe a friend. Maybe you out there listening. Not you, Ed. You're not winning anything. No, I I, I never win these things. But uh, but somebody out there could take Chris to the to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. You win if you're a listener. You win, and then you take me as your guest. That's what I'm. That's the only way I get to go on this trip. That's it. And you know what? I'm free and single, ladies. All right? So if you want to take a beach trip with Chris Lanuti, I know that's every girl's dream. Get over to Cork and Carry or Cork and Carry at the park. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face. Jordan Hicks, four years, $44 million. The offseason continues to be just stupid. This is just a bad offseason. <laughs> this is a bad offseason for Major League Baseball. Like, I, I get that, that we're sitting here and we're trying to trying to spin gold out of out of crap when when you're talking about Chris Flexen making the you know making the rotation and and you're looking at Jake Woodford and going well what does he really bring to it on a minor league contract but really honestly every time i look at this free agent market once you got past Shohei Otani once you got past a couple of the japanese imports and even the the one that in Amaga the, the guy that the cubs signed the scouting report on him is that he's going to give up a ton of home runs. So Wrigley Field is going to be a fun place for him to have as, a, as, as his home ballpark. I would have liked his deal, though. I mean, that's such a smart deal. You know, after a couple of years, he either becomes a free agent or he gets a little bit more money. And, and, and it just get you know, that would have been a nice structured deal for the Sox who are looking for a pitcher. And wouldn't it wouldn't it be neat if they looked at that deal and made a similar offer to a pitcher that they they want to bring in? Because everybody's all sitting around going, well, this is going to be a long rebuild. It's not going to be a long rebuild. It's just no. why are you spending stupid money? Why are you spending $44 million on Jordan Hicks? Right, for a wasted for a wasted 24, because they're really not competing in 24. I mean, if you can get somebody, and, it's, and the possibility still exists, that you could shore up this starting rotation, that you can add something in right field. I think Dylan Cease is still going to end up getting moved, and that may, may also solve 
the problem in right field. You you could still shore up your middle infield a little bit with a better bat, even though you are focusing on defense right now. So it's not it's not over by any stretch of the imagination. It better not be because if it is, I'll be down at thirty fifth and Shields handing out the pitchforks and the torches, and uh, Ed will have the fire to light them. Yeah, I'll have the lighter. But but it, it's it, it is one of those where you know as I'm looking at what other teams have done, you know Marcus Stroman goes to the Yankees. And they're, they're making an offer to Blake Snell. Both of those guys aren't guaranteed to be anything. They've had some good seasons in them. Snell is obviously a guy that's considered to be a premium pitcher. But both of them could very easily Carlos Rodon themselves and pitch like five innings next year and, and be terrible. Jordan Hicks, you know, you really want to fight the Giants for Jordan Hicks? The guy's never done anything in his career. He throws hard, but he no idea where the ball is going half the time. And he too has been, uh, you know, injured and done some things back and forth. It's just there's stupid money being wasted. And and you know, for those uh, that are watching what the Yankees did, uh, if I were a Yankee fan, I'd be aggravated with them because they are they're prospect hoarding. They don't they have way too many top 100 MLB pipeline outfielders and not enough room in their outfield. And if that's what the White Sox are asking for, if I were a Yankee fan, I'd be mad that you're you're going to tie up a ton of money. In in free agent pitchers, instead of grabbing Dylan Cease for a couple of years, I'd actually be frustrated if I were a reasonable Yankee fan. I'm not talking about the unreasonable ones who think <laughs> not they, the usual yeah, Yankee they, fans. But yeah. you know, yeah, the majority of Yankee fans think they can give up garbage and get the best, just like the Yankees seem to operate. And I'm glad that Chris Getz didn't take the bait on that. What's interesting is though, even though the they're out there in the market, and there's no guarantee they're getting Snell unless they really want to overpay to Boris. The, the interesting thing is if you check out Orioles Twitter, if you check out the Orioles blogs, if you check out the fan pulse of Orioles fans, they are just honed in on Dylan Cease. They understand their organization is not going to spend money, that the, the that family that runs the Orioles is cheap and penny pinching, and they want two years of control with a guy like Dylan Cease because it's realistic and they need the pitching. And and I see all these comments from those that cover the team that the Yankees had to move on because they realized they couldn't beat what the Orioles can give the White Sox. And at some point, the Orioles will give the White Sox something. They just see it as this is a game of chicken. This is like, can we, how how little can we give up to give to get Cease, but they better damn well get Cease. That's how their fan base looks at it. If you really go and kind of explore them, like just just like go into the old Twitter, uh, you know, the X, if you want to call it by the new name, and just kind of look in the in the search field, just put in Orioles. And if you if you look at what they're talking about, don't put in C's, put in Orioles, and you will see them all chattering about it amongst their fan base and amongst those that cover the team, that they feel like it's a foregone conclusion because they can give the most. It's just they're, they're worried about what they have to give up. They expect him to be pitching for the Birds. When it, when it comes time to start this season. So trust me, I don't think it's over because Marcus Stroman signed a contract and the Yankees are looking now in another direction. Don't forget the Mets were in on him. Don't forget the Red Sox need guys. There are plenty of teams out there that need frontline starting pitchers. And if you've waited this long, Chris Getz should just sit there patiently and continue waiting till he gets what he wants. Somebody is going to crack. There is a deadline here, and its teams don't want to go into spring training without the proper pitching staff and then have to sit in front of their fan base and say, we think we have enough when they know they don't. If you're serious about winning, there's a lot of teams out there that need pitching, and somebody's going to take a guy who just got an arbitration number of $8 million this year in Dylan C's. Think about how cheap that is. Think about how cheap he'll be right. next year compared to what teams are paying right now for bad pitching. So listen, just relax about it. I, I believe this is going to get done. I'm not getting stressed. 
No, and, and look, I know that that you're starting to see the media sit there and say Chris Getz is unrealistic, right? His his demands for Dylan Cease are unrealistic. And it's very easy for us as Sox fans to sit here and say, God, Getz is another idiot in the GM chair where he doesn't, you know, he's overvaluing his players. He doesn't know how to how to read the room. He doesn't know how to read the market for him. No, he does. I, I think he does. I think he's being unrealistic because what you're looking for is you're looking for, are the Orioles going to crack and add the sweetener that's going to bring them to the front yes. where Getz is sitting there going, that's really what I kind of want. But he's, but he's got to hold it high. He's got to hold a really high – this is negotiation 101. You don't negotiate against yourself. If you come in high, you stay high until you know you got to come down to right where this is where I'm going to make the deal. All of those national media people, they're all East Coasters. There's a couple of West Coasters. They look at the White Sox and teams in the middle of the country as a bunch of bumpkins that will, of course, give up their talent to go be on these marquee teams – because that's what you're supposed to do. It's the arrogance of the national media that covers baseball that barely ever darkens the door of a stadium in the Midwest. So who cares what they're saying? At some point, they're going to have to bend, they're going to have to break to get the pitcher that everybody knows is the best value on the market. At $8 million this year and another year of control after that, with what he brings to the table, that is the prize of the offseason. And everybody's just trying to pick on the new GM right now, and I hope he holds serve. I hope he says, no, I won't be bullied, because he doesn't need to be bullied. He doesn't. I think he moves him before this season starts. I, Cease could be sitting there pitching in spring training games for the White Sox and get moved with a week to go in the season. Don't think that that's not possible. Oh, yeah. He is He is best served. Chris Getz is best served by just holding in there and waiting to get what he wants to go get. You never give. Look, what is the worst case scenario? You should be competing in 2025. So if nobody wants to give you what you want, keep Cease around and compete in 2025 and add around him and make it to the postseason. This whole idea, like everybody does this now. Everybody complains about the fact that, oh my goodness, this guy's got a couple years left on his contract. We have to trade him because we're never going to be able to re-sign him. If you have that mentality with every player, then you'll never be good because you're always looking to unload guys that still have two years, three years, four years left on their deal. Well, that that explains the hype behind you know and the and the the gnashing of teeth and rending of garments around Luis Robert Jr. signing with Scott Boris. I got something to say about that. We'll do that after James Fox here on Socks in the Basement. Now with the weather upon us, now that it is winter, now you may be noticing a draft. Maybe a new window is in order. Maybe a bunch of them. Maybe a new door. For all your exterior windows, doors, patio doors, and storm doors, look no further than Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. No high-pressure sales. They're not sitting in your house bringing in a couple of examples. You're going to their place, and you're seeing everything. You're seeing the craftsmanship. You're seeing all the little detail. You got an owner in showroom. All your questions are answered. You got an owner on site ensuring that their own workers that are out there, they don't farm out the work. Their own workers are doing the job right. They've been doing it that way for 40 years. In Oak Forest since 1985 and all major brands are custom made with no stock items for a perfect fit. Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest is a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. See more at Window Door Oak Forest. Com. On the phone line with me right now, our good friend, James Fox from Future Sox. How are you, buddy? Hey, sir. How are you? Thanks for having me. 
So let's talk about these international signings because normally it's somebody like Luis Robert Jr., right? Normally they get like the big fish and they don't do anything else. It doesn't seem like they're doing it like that this year. What, what are they doing this year in international signings? You know, I, I kind of like this strategy like a little bit better. A lot of the guys aren't really known, which is fine. So I'll just like, well, just like last year's class, for instance, they did the same thing. They signed a, a couple of prospects for like, $700,000. Abraham Nunez Jr. was a center fielder. He performed very well as a 17-year-old in the Dominican Summer League, and they signed a big pitcher, and then they had this like unheralded guy that you'll hear of. $75,000 out of Venezuela, this Javier Magoyan. He's like a five foot eight, 160-pound infielder, but he hit 10 homers like in the DSL. He's going to be a top 30 prospect for them everywhere. But what I'll say is, like, you know, these guys could get to Arizona this year and and they could turn into real prospects or they could get there and become nothing like really fast. That That's like the important context in this market. You know, the other thing is these players agree to deals when they're 13 or 14 years old and they're, they're just like projecting what they're going to look like when it gets to be this time when they finally sign. Okay. So, you know, they have just under $6 million to spend because they're designated as a large market club. So, you know, they do have, their one significant signing that's like out there is for $1.8 million. It's Eduardo Herrera. You can see it like all over Twitter. Um, you know, he's like one of the best power hitters in the class. Now he's bigger than I'm thinking he was when they, when they first saw him he's six foot three, uh, 200 pounds now. And he's moved to third base from shortstop. And look there, you know, some of the scouts think that he may eventually move to first base, but I mean, he's one of the best power hitters in the class. So we'll kind of see what happens. This is my favorite part of the international period, Chris, and I think we often do this whenever I come on. Did you see, I don't know if you read what I wrote, but in here it says that the slugger has drawn comparisons to a young Albert Pujol due to his body type and considerable raw power. I love when we compare teenagers to Hall of Famers. Well, that's always my favorite thing. Everybody's comparable to a guy that's going into the Hall of Fame. Every prospect's like that, right? Yeah, so look. This is a $1.8 million gamble on a 17-year-old actual prospect. I would much rather do this than sign 23-year-old Cubans. So who knows? I don't know that he's good. I have no idea. Um, I'm sure the Sox will talk about him next week, and he'll play in the Dominican Summer League, and over at Future Sox, we'll kind of track his progress. Um, you know, another one they have, $700,000 out of Curacao. It's the younger brother of Jerkson Profar, so Jerjerk Profar. You know, the original tweet came from a Dominican reporter named Francis Romero. He just said that he's a multi-tool talent with above average speed contact and arm. And then, you know, there's like, there's a cheaper, like $500,000 Venezuelan catcher. And I'm sure there's some pictures, but so really, you know, it's only like just under $3 million accounted for so far. A bunch of these things could just tick off and get announced Monday. Right. And they could have multiple 400 or 500 K signings out of Dominican Republic and Venezuela. And then it'll be like, Oh, that's where the white Sox money tied up. But as of right now, they, they do still have some money left over. So it's a little bit of a different strategy than some of these clubs. You know, like if you were to look at like one of the best players in the class, his name is Jose Perdomo. He's signing with the Braves for like over $5 million. Well, the Braves have the same bonus pool amount that the White Sox do. So they've, what they've essentially done is like taken their entire bonus pool and put it on like one guy and, and those guys are often turned into top prospects. But I mean, when they bust, like you basically just wasted your entire bonus pool. Yeah. And, and think about it. We just saw uh, on the other side of town, 
a deal with the Cubs and the Dodgers. And, and wasn't it the Dodgers basically unloading two players that they just didn't have room for and kicking the prospect can down the road for some toolsy teenagers from the Cubs in that trade that involved Michael Bush? So so it, it, these guys are valuable to have them sprinkled throughout your system, right? They are. And I like Marco Patty's track record better with some of these unknown guys. Like I just mentioned Javier McGoyan. Like when they were in the penalty box for years after signing Luis Robert, you know, they signed a kid for $300,000 out of Cuba by the name of Brian Ramos. And, you know, you know, Brian Ramos, he's like probably a hundred, a top 150 prospect in baseball right now as a third baseman. He signed for $300,000. I mean, Jose Rodriguez and Lenin Sosa, right? Those guys may end up being nothing, but you know, like Lenin Sosa signed for $325,000. I think Jose Rodriguez signed for $50,000. So, like, I don't mind the approach of signing 25 to 30 players out of Venezuela and the Dominican Republic every year and, like, kind of spreading your money around um, rather than what the White Sox have typically done, which is, ooh, somebody named Cespedes, $2 million? Sure. And then, <laughs> you know, he, he, stall, he stalls out in double A, and then, you know, you get reports from MLB.com that are like, oh, this is one of the best players in the class when – he never really was. He was just like propped up because his cousin was Ioannis Cespedes. So yeah, I, I would much prefer this strategy. Like, look, I'll get excited when, if they sign a guy for 4 million, that's cool. Cause it, that's like, it means it's one of the best guys in the class, but I will say this method of, you know, just like sprinkling your money around on a bunch of kids is better than what they've typically been doing. Um, at least in my opinion. And even looking back on like a Fernando Tatis Jr. signing, like he signed for $700,000. He was in like the top 30 when you look at MLB pipeline, but it's not like he was like some top five guy that the White Sox traded. This is a total crapshoot. So the things that, you know, it just, it bothers me when they don't spend their money. So as long as they spend their money and they fill up, you know, their, their bonus pool with, you know, just however many players you deem necessary, 20, 25 to fill your DL, DSL roster, that's fine with me because nobody really knows if these guys are good or if they're going to be. Right. It's important to just basically spend it because otherwise you're just wasting the opportunity to possibly find somebody. They're not wasting their opportunity to fill this team with pitching. So before I let James Fox of Future Sacks go, uh, let's take Dylan Cease out of the equation because I still think that he eventually gets traded. And let me list off all of the names that at some point seem to have been mentioned as a possible starting pitcher in the five-man rotation. We've got Fetty, Soroka, Kopech, Schultens, Flexen, Martin, Toussaint, Schuster, Crochet, Nestrini, Eater, and maybe even a Tanner Banks. Who's going to actually start? Like, do you buy it? Like, because I keep seeing things like, well, you know, uh, Chris Getz says that Flexen's going to be in the rotation. Then he says that uh, Garrett Crochet's got his best chance to be in there. They didn't go get Soroka for nothing. Michael Kopech, is he moving to the bullpen? Like, eventually you hear them talk about so many guys. There's only really five spots, and it's a nice problem to have. But I don't think I take anybody being mentioned as, oh, yeah, we think he's going to be part of the rotation as actual fact that he's going to be in the rotation, right? What do you think? Yeah, so I think a lot of these guys that maybe we're penciling in, I think are all just going to kind of start in the minor leagues. You know, like you're definitely your Nick Nestrini's, and I think even Jared Schuster that you got in the Atlanta trade, my guess is he's just in Charlotte, right? So so I think Fetty is definitely in the rotation. Soroka, if healthy, is definitely in the rotation. I think Kopech probably is too, because regardless of what we think, like 
his ultimate outcome is. Like when you hire Brian Bannister and you're going to be bad, you might as well let Kopech start and see what kind of value you can extract from him. So well, they're already they're already hyping him through state media. So uh, yeah, oh, I expect yeah, him to be in there. In, yes, yeah, he's he's in the best shape of his life, Chris. Um, so <laughs> like those three are those three are probably in the rotation for sure, and then Flexen I think probably is too. So I really think you got one spot, and it's Tukey or one of the kids, or maybe they go out and sign somebody that surprises us, or maybe they get a close to the majors pitching prospect back in the Dylan Cease trade, and and that's what it is. But yeah, like I think it's probably those four guys for sure: Fetty, Flexen, Soroka, and Kopech. And then you know, like the crochet thing, like I'm I'm fine with letting him try to start. Um, I don't know that it'll work. But I think that includes the minor leagues, though. And, you know, I think he goes down and you get your year back of service time on him and you let him, like, make some starts in the minors. You see how many innings you can get out of him. And he pitches some in the big leagues. But, you know, that was, that was like, a big mistake in the first place, I think. Like, you know, the scouting director drafted Garrett Crochet because they thought he could be a number three starter. And then you're trying to win, so you hike this guy to the big leagues and turn him into, like, something he's not, right? And I don't know that he can start. But I also don't think he's this high leverage reliever that can pitch five times a week either. So maybe he's like in some in-between role where he's like a long guy or he's coming in and he's putting out fires or whatever. But there, there's like, you know, he's, he's way more useful than how Tony La Russa used him, even if he's not a starter. But I don't think that necessarily means that he starts the season in Chicago. James Fox, he's from Future Sacks. Check out everything he writes about the prospects because he's he's on top of it. He's also running things over there now, if you've been following the social media. Congratulations on that, James, and uh, uh, best of luck to you and Future Sacks as we get ready, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Chris. Docs in the basement listeners, here's the deal. When you combine State Farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of $889. State Farm agent John Harrell is ready to help you combine home and auto and save in the Chicagoland area. Call him today. 708-481-4500. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Average annual per household savings based on a 2019 national survey by State Farm of new policyholders who reported savings by switching to State Farm. Still got the socks there before the show is over. Before we get to him, uh, the Louis Robert Jr. wringing of hands and gnashing of teeth because he signs a deal with Boris Corp. And now Scott Boris, the evil agent that secretly runs Major League Baseball, who Jerry Reinsdorf stubbornly refuses to deal with normally. And I mean, it's not like he's never done a deal with a Boris client, but, you know, Scott Boris gets 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 his guys paid and everybody just kind of went nuts because Luis Robert Jr. is now with Boris, but he's under control for four years. Right. And the last two are 20 million dollar year options. And before you get upset about that and say, well, Jerry Reinsdorf's never going to give him his two 20 million dollar year options in the prime of his career. Yes, he is. Yes, yes, he is. And 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 it's gonna be a steal because I just watched Tiasco Hernandez get $23.5 million for a one-year deal. So Luis Robert Jr. at 20 mil, that is not something that is that you can't do. That, that is something that would alienate your fan base even more. Oh, yeah. And I just don't on. think that that's gonna happen. I don't think any GM 
knowing that he needs $20 million in his payroll to keep Luis Robert Jr. around, isn't planning to make sure that he pays those two years. So Chris Getz is just going to have to make sure he's got it in his budget to keep him. He's going to be here for four years. What happens after that? Who knows? What's going to happen to all of us by year five? Well, he's got four seasons, 24, 25, 26, and 27. I don't know where I'll be in 28. I could be dead. A meteor could crash into the earth. It's like every six months they tell me about one of them that's going to come really, really close. You don't know what's going to happen by then. Jerry Reinsdorf could be dead. That's more likely. Right, well, it, it very much is. He's yeah, going to be in his he, 90s, right? He was born in 1936. By the time 2028 rolls around, he'll be 92 years old. Right, okay. So not everybody lives to be the age of Virginia McCaskey. He might. I don't know. He might. He also could be looking at death in his doorway on, an, on, a, on a nightly basis. There could be a shadow that he sees. And he could be sitting there saying, ooh, you know, I'd like to win one more. You have no idea what his mentality is four years from now. No idea what's going to be happening. So listen. Well, and Robert himself is going to be on the other side of 30. And you've seen what happened to Mike Trout, for example, where the last, what, five years, Trout, in his prime, considered one of the greatest players in the history of the game, the way he he, he played the game. And now he's a guy who can't stay on the field for right. more than 100 games out of the year, if that. Right. I mean, we're going to get the best four years of Luis Robert Jr. in that deal. We are. Right. We're going to get the best four right. years of it. And guess what? Nobody else is signed beyond it anyway. There's only two guys that aren't a role player, minor leaguer, maybe coulda, woulda, shoulda type player. There's only two guys, really, if I'm not mistaken, maybe three. But ever nobody goes past that date. Andrew Benintendi's contract's up by that date. Andrew Vaughn isn't under team control by the time that Luis Robert Jr. becomes a free agent. No, That's he is how not. far off this is, right? Like the entirety of the White Sox also isn't signed by, by 2028. There's nobody on the team of any note whatsoever who is under team control. And before anybody says Colson Montgomery, he hasn't made his debut yet. So let's just hold the minor leaguers aside for a second here, okay? People people panic over the idea of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen in 2028 when we're competing? Well, man, we better be competing well before that. Like, yeah, if that's when I'm the turning rebuild, off the show, if we're not yeah. competing by that, like I don't have time for this. If, if that's yeah, the case. Astros in the basement, Mariners in the basement, <laughs> I mean, Marlins like, in the basement. We got plenty of teams we can go. We'll just yeah, we'll just switch over to Southside Pod where I tell stories about guys who 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 are out on New Year's Eve and some guy jumps over them and try, goes through a car roof. That, check that out. That's an interesting story. You want to hear a it, story? It really is an interesting story. Yeah, I, I mean, people may think of me a little different after that story, but I mean, it's a funny story that came out on that show. If you want to check that out at southsidepod.com or anywhere podcasts can be found. But but listen, I, I am I am in shock over the, the agitation and the anger of Luis Robert Jr. signing with Scott Boris. Scott Boris is not going to get him out of his contract. He's not going to hold out. He's probably helping him with endorsements. He's probably helping him earn extra money. And he knows that in four years, yes, he is going to get paid. He is. And if the Sox want him, they should pay him. If he gets the end of those four years and the asking price is $30 million a year, then be a big boy team and go sign him. I also don't think that Jerry Reinsdorf is as opposed to paying position players like he is to pitchers. And, and at that point, anyway, in five years, every single contract will be deferred for several centuries. Yeah. Jerry, by f- in, in four years, everybody on the White Sox will have their contract deferred until after he's dead and, and his son has sold the team. They'll be, they'll be deferred until the White Sox are moving to Mars instead of Nashville. They'll probably be on strike in 2028. Calm down. Ah!
That music indicates that we have the Sox nerd back in the line here on Sox in the Basement. Dave Merritt puts all those interesting tidbits right up there on the scoreboard at the rate. And very soon, he'll be back in the ballpark sooner than you think, getting ready for a brand new season. But he comes on each and every week to talk to us, so you get a lot more here at Sox in the Basement, and it's brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience the downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont to shop, dine, drink, and explore. Next weekend is the fourth annual Ice and Lights Fest. Over 20 ice sculptures on display, two live reindeer, there are free hay rides, and the creamery truck is giving away 500 free hot chocolates. Who says there's nothing to do in January? There is something to do in Lamont. See more at lamontdowntown.com. Nerd, what do you got for me? Chris, with the college title decided and the NFL playoffs ready to go, what better time to take a look at the White Sox and football? The grid world was shocked by the recent same-day coaching departures of New England's Bill Belichick and Alabama's Nick Saban. Can we even have football anymore? Next thing you're going to tell me is that Aaron Rodgers finally shut his pie hole. Anyway, it took me a while, but I found a connection between Saban and the Sox. Saban was a good defensive back at Kent State in the early 1970s. He was ultimately inducted into the school's Hall of Fame, where he joined Steve Stone and Dustin Hermanson as members. By the way, those former Sox pitchers were inducted into that hall some 10 years before Saban was. As for mumbling Bill Belichick, just to show you how long he coached the Patriots, I offer you this. Among those in the Sox lineup on the day, October 1st, 2000, Belichick earned his first win as Patriots coach were Durham, Valentin, Thomas, Ordonez, Lee, and Canerco. One of my favorite Sox-related football nuggets involves Archie Manning, a college football Hall of Famer. The Sox tried hard on two occasions to sign Manning. A shortstop at Ole Miss, Manning was drafted by the Sox in 1970 and 1971. The Sox once offered him a $50,000 signing bonus and a $20,000 salary after his junior year. But history tells us that Archie stuck with football and went on to have a lengthy NFL career as a quarterback, primarily with the Saints. One more, would it make many of our Bear fan listeners happy if I told them that one of the most crushing plays ever inflicted upon the Green Bay Packers was by a White Sox draftee? Freddie Mitchell, a 50th round pick by the Sox out of UCLA in 2000, made the first down catch on 4th and 26th late in the Packers' 20-17 overtime loss at Philadelphia in the 2003 playoffs. Mitchell's improbable grab led to a game-time field goal, which forced overtime where the Eagles prevailed, forever casting a pall on the Mike Sherman era in Green Bay. Mitchell, by the way, never played pro baseball. There are many more Sox football links, Bo Jackson, Frank Thomas, Joe Borchard, Moose Scour, even Deion Sanders. Maybe we'll get into those on a future pod, or you can find some of that grid info on my blog at SoxInTheBasement.com. My zinger, sticking with football, people often forget or don't know that Comiskey Park was the home of the NFL Chicago Cardinals from 1922 to 1958. The greatest football performance ever at 35th and Shields was by the great Jim Brown. In his 17th game and the last NFL opening day at Comiskey Park, Brown rushed for a stadium record 180 yards and four touchdowns as the Browns outlasted the Cardinals 38 to 24 before 30,933 on the south side. That's it, Chris. More than you ever wanted to know about the Kent State Hall of Fame, Peyton and Eli Manning's dad, and the most disastrous play in Packers history. 
Thanks a lot, nerd. If you're listening to Socks in the Basement and you have not yet subscribed or hit follow on the player that you're using, do so. If you're at SocksInTheBasement.com, there's a ton of options. Just like I believe the amount of options still available to go out and get Dylan Cease. Maybe. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.